I mean, this past week, I was actually flying. I flew from Texas to Wisconsin, all the way to Ohio, Pennsylvania, stopped in Virginia for gas, made it to South Carolina, stopped again for gas in Mississippi, and then came home. And I never in a million years thought that I would fly through that many states in one week while I was the one in control of the airplane. And it's just such a cool feeling. From the skies across America, aviation content creator Kay Hall, otherwise known as Fly with Kay, on this episode of Worldwide Celeb. World. She's all over my social media, my TikTok. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Music from YouTube. Behind every internet famous face you see in your scroll is a real person with an entire life offline. Freedom of expression. These are their stories. Are their stories. Hello and welcome to Worldwide Celeb, where we strip away the digital curtain and introduce you to the real people behind the personalities you see every day as you scroll through your feed, you click around the internet, or even listen to your favorite podcast. My name is Chris Kelly, and my guest on this episode, according to her bio, was a server in a restaurant living a pretty normal life as recently as 2018. One day her dad calls and says, hey, I got a line for you on a new gig uh, as a flight attendant for a major airline. And while that sounded appealing, she ultimately had bigger aspirations. She decided she wanted to be the one actually flying the plane. On somewhat of a whim, she had an intro flight, loves it, signs up for flight school. And before you know it, she's up, up and away, so to speak. Early 2020, she's out of flight school and lands, pun intended, on a flight instructor job. She's ready to make her move. Then a certain pandemic hits, halting all hiring and her grand plans in the process like so many others. So what does an unemployed flight instructor do during a pandemic? She flies a lot and she accumulates flight hours and begins documenting her flying in her very own 1968 Piper Cherokee she affectionately calls Little Red. She does it on a blog and across social media where she's built an audience of a whopping 2.1 million followers on TikTok, in addition to a few hundred thousand more YouTube subscribers, Instagram followers, etc. She aspires to teach younger people that their dreams of flying are within their reach and inspires countless others to learn more about aviation in general. She's also become an author in the last year as well. Obviously, we've got lots to unpack here. Kay Hall, better known perhaps as Fly with Kay, Welcome to Worldwide Celeb. Thank you, Chris. I'm very excited to be here. I think this is going to be awesome. So, uh, yeah, right out of the gate there. First things first. Uh, in every episode, I give our guests a secret word. It can be an ordinary word or it can be something preposterous, usually like a weird adjective to use over and over. In this case, by the way, Kay chose her own secret word, and it's her job to work that word into the conversation as many times as possible between now and the end of the episode. It's your job as a listener to try and figure out what the word is and tweet it to us at Podcast. There's no prizes. You don't win anything. It's just stupid fun. So keep your ear out for what you might think it is during the episode. So where you are from Texas, right? Is that where you're at today? That is where I'm at today, but I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. From Seattle, Washington. And what's funny is I'm going to ask a question about that later, and you'll see why I flagged that now and why I think it's funny that you just told me that you're originally from Seattle, Washington. But that's, I digress at the moment. I find uh, your story super duper cool. So how did this all happen? Where did this come from? Do you ever stop and think about what a whirlwind it's been the last few years? This is not you know, something you've done your whole life. Uh, did you have this aspiration to be a pilot before that moment I was talking about came along in 2018? Or was it really as random as your story made it sound? 
No, it's an interesting question that you ask because I look back at it and there was definitely a few times when I was growing up that people would be like, oh, what do you want to be when you'd grow up? And I'd randomly throw up pilot and almost as quickly as I would say it, just as quickly, I would forget it. And so it was never anything where I was like, this is for sure what I want to do. All I really knew what I wanted was to be able to travel for a living, to meet new people, to try new things and see as much of the world as possible. And that's why even being a flight attendant was a great option. Sure. But I knew I wanted to be a pilot. So how did what what did you actually want to be when you when like when you're a little kid? I, I don't know, like six, seven, eight years old. My my five year old wants to be like a you know a mermaid still. But I feel like <laughs> once you get to six, seven, eight, or whatever, you start getting into more realistic actual jobs. Did you have any kind of crazy dream like that? I've always loved the idea of being in the spotlight. So being an actress, being a professional singer. Sure. I wanted to be a professional dancer, but I really can't dance all that well. So that died pretty quickly growing up. But I really just have always loved to make people laugh and to entertain people in every capacity possible. And so I think that was probably my biggest aspiration growing up, which was awesome. But the biggest part about that is, is ultimately, I thought about maybe I'll become a doctor. Then I realized I don't like blood. So that didn't work out either. And that's part of the reason why when I finished high school, I didn't go directly to college because even at 18, 19, 20, it wasn't even until I was almost 21, I really decided what I wanted to do. I did you because I think about flying as a kid. Did you fly a lot as a kid? Did you travel a lot as a kid? I did. So when I was five years old, starting when I was five years old, every summer after that, up until I turned about 16, I would fly every summer from Seattle to San Diego, California to spend time with my grandparents, Ah. my friends. And I grew up being on airplanes. So I remember as like as a teenager, I went out to California for like a school trip with some friends. And one of my friends, aunts lived out there. They owned like a like a little Cessna, I guess it was. And they took us up flying around San Francisco and the Golden Gate Bridge and all that, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact, I remember I was sitting all the way in the back, like a little single seat all the way in the back of the plane. And I remember the plane just getting tossed like all over the sky. And it really kind of terrified me mm-hmm. as a teen. And, and I'm not somebody, I wasn't then like flying on regular commercial jets. And even today, I'm not a, a, a scared flyer by any stretch, but that moment I remember pretty much squashed any pilot dreams for me. Did you have any moments as a kid that made you go the other way? Like some of those flying memories that you really loved that kind of led you to where you are, even subconsciously at the time? You know, looking back, there's not a single moment where I'm like, this is really what I wanted to do. What really changed my mind about becoming a pilot, and a lot of people don't know this, is even while I was growing up, my dad didn't actively fly. He got his private pilot, he got his instrument, and then he stopped flying. He had a family. His career took precedent. So when he retired and he was able to go back into flying, he would share with me, oh, you know, I was flying at 6,500 feet today. I had a total blast. It's so much freedom. And even though at the time I was already thinking about it, just hearing that really solidified my decision. But even growing Mm. up as a kid, there's nothing I can think of of why I wanted to be a pilot. I, and I had a question that I was going to ask a little bit further down the line, but you uh, bring it up now. I want you to, if, you, if you're willing, talk about your dad, because any story I've seen where you're talking about how you came into flying, 
uh, obviously mentions your dad and the, the premise being that when you guys are talking about, oh, maybe here's an opportunity to go be a flight attendant, he kind of sensed on the phone that you weren't all that enthused about it. And in each variation of the story you tell, you always say, I'd rather be the one flying the plane. And then you immediately credit him by saying, well, all right, let's make that happen. So clearly he's had a major influence on your life and has helped you get to this point, right? Oh, absolutely. My dad is awesome. He is one of my biggest idols. And when I, so he called me with the opportunity to become a flight attendant. And at the time I was very excited. So I got on a call with a wonderful woman who had worked at Delta for 30 something years as a flight attendant. And she told me all that it would entail. And I'll be honest with you, when it's something I'm passionate about, I have no problem putting in the work to get what I want. And when she was telling me, you know, here's what you can expect for the first five years or the first 10 years, it just wasn't something that I was actively like, yeah, this is going to be worth it in 15 years. I just need to buckle down and get it done. Because what a lot of people don't know is that as a flight attendant, one, you don't start, start off making great money. And two, even though the training is somewhat easier, obviously, than becoming a pilot, you also will spend a lot more time on the road. So because of that, ultimately, I was still considering becoming a flight attendant. And my dad called me out of the blue one day. And he's like, what's going on? Because I was dragging my feet a little bit. Ah. I was still working my dead end job. I still wasn't able to pay all of my bills on time. And he asked me point blank, what do you really want to do? If you could do anything right now, what would it be? And I told him I wanted to fly. And he said, all right, well, let's stop wasting our time. And let's just start working towards that goal. And it was in that moment that I knew for sure my family is going to support me 110%. And this is exactly what I want to do, which was awesome. See, I think that's cool. So I'm a a dad of two girls uh, as well. And Mm -hmm. although I guess I don't know that you have a sister, but I'm just going to just go with me for a second. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. Point being that 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 dad and daughter relationship is is. it's unique. And I feel like if one of now granted mine are still pretty young, but I could envision someday one of my daughters coming to me and saying, this is what I want to do, especially if it's something that I had already been passionate about, I would move heaven and earth to make that happen for either of yeah. them. So is is that kind of where it came from that he did he view it as like, uh, yes, she loves something that I used to love. And now I can go all in with her kind of a thing. Or was it purely out of love for daughter that he made all the, because you guys, you then talk about, you went out, you found your plane, which we're going to talk about in a minute as well. It seems like he really went above and beyond to help kind of bring this to reality for you. Oh, he absolutely did. And I'll be honest, I think it was probably a mixture of both. I think initially it was, he didn't want to see his daughter struggle anymore, which at the time I really was. And I even wrote about that in my book, Becoming Fly With Kay. I was really having a tough time, but because I knew what I wanted to do, he wanted to move heaven and earth to help me make that happen. And it just so happened that after I was able to get my private pilot license and be able to go and fly with him, we got even closer than we were when I was growing up because we had something just the two of us could share in our entire family. So cool. So at that point, you took, you you tried it out, you loved it, you took uh, an accelerated flight training program that you got it all done in like nine months or so. How does somebody without any actual real knowledge of airplanes or flying excel at flight school so quick? Are you just that good of a student in general? You know, I'd love to tell you that's what it was, but more than anything, it just became something I was so passionate about 
that I eat, sleep, and breathed my flight training. I said goodbye to my social life. I was actually working two part-time jobs at the time just to be able to continue to afford, you know, basic necessities. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to be able to move back in with my family, which really helped, obviously. But, you know, I still had some things I needed to take care of. And when I got my student loan, that took a lot of pressure off of me as far as finances were concerned. And because of that, halfway through my commercial, my single engine commercial, I was able to finally quit one of my jobs. Um, I was working the paint desk at the Home Depot, and they were so excited for me. They threw me a little party, and they were like, if anything crazy happens, you always have a place with us. So they were super understanding and supportive. And then after I finished my commercial single engine check ride and moved to Florida for what was supposed to be four weeks to go to certified flight instructor training, the weather changed and a whole bunch of stuff came up. I ended up being in Florida for almost two months. And when I came back, my server job was still waiting for me. But my manager took me aside. and She's like, I just can't wait to see what you are going to be able to accomplish. It has been so fun to be on this journey with you. And if you ever want to pick up a shift, let us know. And about a month later, I was done with flight school and relocating to Arizona. So it was very fast. But wow. it was definitely because I loved it so much that I was able to buckle down and get it done. So you you actually moved around quite a bit through this process. I didn't realize, I thought, you know, it's like the school at the end of the street and you just go to school every day and go home and back and forth. And But there's a lot of travel involved with just the schooling process, huh? Not for everybody, but um, again, you kind of mentioned, you know, how quickly I was able to get it done. Officially, the program that I enrolled myself in was 12 months. However, because I was able to buckle down, I was able to kind of negotiate <laughs> Mm. with the flight school to relocate me so I could get things done more quickly. That's So amazing. for example, during my private pilot, I actually flew to Florida for four days to take my check ride in Florida in a new area I'd never flown in before so that I could get it done rather than having to wait three weeks for a check ride back home in Georgia. Mm, fascinating. So which is funny because I don't think you had mentioned Georgia as a stop at that point when you were telling me about So check another state off the list. Yes. Um, so out of flight school, obviously becoming a pilot is the goal. What kind of pilot did you at that point aspire to be and why? I really was looking at becoming a commercial airline pilot. And I will say the reason why is because it's really the only kind of pilot anybody ever talked about. Anytime you would go and say, hey, you know, grandma, grandpa, or my best friend, hey, I'm going to go to pilot school or flight school. I'm going to become a pilot. Oh, what airline are you going to work for? And it wasn't mm. even until I started meeting other people in my program that I found there was other pilot jobs available, like private charter or working for a company flying a private jet. And even all the way through my flight training, I always said, I'm going to be an instructor, I'm going to get my hours, and I'm going to go the commercial airline route. And now some of that has actually changed, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later. So you, so exactly. So you ended up um, right out of flight school, you ended up getting a job because you can't just like, you don't walk out of flight school with a diploma and walk, you know, to the, the check-in counter at your local airport, the Delta counter and be like, well, I'm ready to fly. There's obviously <laughs> some things that need to happen before then. So the first step for you was becoming a flight instructor and then COVID gets in there and messes things up. Uh, what exactly happened there? So that's exactly right. Once I graduated, I actually was guaranteed a job offer, which is why I took the relocation to Arizona 
because as you could probably tell, there's a running theme here. I wanted to get in and get out as quickly as I could, build my experience, become an even better pilot, and then get to the airlines where I would hopefully start, you know, making money, pay back that student loan and get my life really going. So I got all of my ratings. I got all of my hours. I transferred to Arizona. And at the same time, my family was actually moving from Georgia to here in Texas. Mm. Well, because of that, long story short, I was part of the Envoy Cadet Program through American Airlines, which uh, basically was a way to get directly to American Airlines by working for Envoy after I got all of my hours as an instructor. Because of that, they had access to a lot of other flight schools and one that just so happened to be an hour away from my family. And obviously, as you can tell, I'm very close with my family, which is incredible. It's totally awesome. And that's the option that I took. So I took the transfer here. I had my apartment picked out. I had my offer letter in my hand. I went and toured the facility, met some of the other instructors, and I was so excited. And the day before I was supposed to move into my new apartment, they called me and said they were halting all transfers and they would let me know. And unfortunately, three months later, they closed their doors permanently because of COVID. I would imagine, well, obviously you're not alone in uh, having plans derailed by COVID, but I will say that it kind of led to somewhat of a blessing in disguise, I guess, in some ways. So at that point, you guys decide, all right, listen, got to get in the air, got to go get a plane, and you find what you affectionately refer to as Little Red, correct? Tell me about her, how you found her, the whole nine yards. First of all, I just want to say thank you for referring to her as a her. You would not believe the I'm, amount of comments well, I get on that. <laughs> listen, I'm a I'm a boat guy, so I understand the importance of her being my boat is a her and your plane is a her. So we're I'm right there with you. I get it. I love it. That's awesome. Originally, we really didn't care so much about it being a Piper. We were looking at Cessnas. We were looking at insurance rates. We were looking at the quality of the airplane. There's a lot that goes into, obviously, purchasing an airplane. And before all of this, I was actually partly part-time working on, or excuse me, part-time working at (laughs) a flight club here in Houston, which ended up working out pretty well for a couple of weeks until more and more instructors, especially in the area, were encountering the same thing that I was. There was no instructor jobs available anywhere. A couple months before, you could scroll through Facebook and come across 10 offers. This time, there was nothing. So the airplanes kept getting taken up. You know, you'd get there and you'd be so excited. You could finally fly. It's been two weeks and it won't start or it had to go in for required maintenance. And so it became very difficult for me to be able to stay current and proficient, which basically just means staying safe while I fly and making sure I'm up to date on all of my requirements. Well, because of this, we looked for an airplane and yes, we did find Lil Red. Oh, Lil, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're okay, it's totally fine. As a a radio guy, there is a huge difference between Little John and Lil John. (laughs) And uh, so I I understand, yes, sorry, Lil Red. You're totally fine, no worries at all. But uh, yeah, we found the airplane and we did have a pre-buy inspection done on it where they basically took apart a bunch of stuff to make sure, almost like a house appraisal, they go in and they make sure what you're paying for the house is actually worth it. Same thing for an airplane. And technically we bought it sight unseen. So we hopped in the car. My brother drove us three and a half hours up to Dallas. We checked it out. The next morning we were all ready to fly. She didn't start. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we waited for the shop to open up. They just checked a few wires and then she was good to go. And then we flew her home and it's pretty much been history since then. I can say as somebody that's bought a bunch of boats, the process is very similar and sometimes it is sight unseen. However, the difference is this. If I drove three and a half hours somewhere to go pick up a boat to run home and it didn't start and I would be confident, all right, once we get this thing started, I have no problem getting out on the water and driving the boat home. If a plane didn't start sight unseen, I would be a little bit more apprehensive. I'm not going to lie. That's totally fair. Um, Unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately, it's both a good thing and a bad thing. The airplane was totally fine. It was just the company that did the pre-buy inspection forgot to plug something in. (laughs) Oh, 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 oh. Okay. So that's that's different then. I get it. I get it. And we were able to do a test flight and taxi her and all that good stuff, fill up gas, make sure she didn't just randomly shut off, all that good stuff. And because of my extensive um, flight time at the time, it wasn't that extensive, but especially now with experience, had something happened in the air, odds are we still would have been able to land safely. Sure. So being your first plane, you've mentioned in some videos, uh, like you'll be taxiing somewhere with your dad and you'll see another plane come by and you're like, oh, I like that. You know, that's that's what I want to get someday or whatever. But do you think, will it be hard to part ways with Lil Red or will you try to keep her forever somehow? My goal is to get to a point where I can afford to keep both. Lil Red will always have a special place in my heart. And, you know, I have a lot of aspirations about what I really want to do and where I want to take my company. At the end of the day, I just want to be able to keep flying. And even though I talk about, you know, potentially getting a Piper Lance so that I can carry more stuff, go further, fly faster, all that good stuff. Ultimately, my priority is to fly. And so if by upgrading airplanes, that is going to help me be able to do that, then that is something I'm interested in talking about and looking into. But I know that even my fans would be devastated if one day Lil Red was for sale. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. there's something kind of special there for, for what it's worth. Your content, um, your content is pretty cool, like from pre-flight checklists and taxiing and takeoff and in the air and all the conversation that you've got going on with air traffic control and the whole kit and caboodle throughout the whole flight experience. What are some of the highlights that have kind of stood out to you since you've been documenting your flights? Oh my goodness. There has been so many. I've honestly, I know people always say this whenever they spend a lot of money on something, but flying isn't just a hobby for me. It's always been a career goal. And I just... It's so awesome to just take off and to feel that freedom and to know you can go wherever you want. I mean, this past week, I was actually flying. I flew from Texas to Wisconsin, all the way to Ohio, Pennsylvania, stopped in Virginia for gas, made it to South Carolina, stopped again for gas in Mississippi, and then came home. And I never in a million years thought that I would fly through that many states in one week while I was the one in control of the airplane. And it's just such a cool feeling. And that's, what was the purpose of that trip? Just flight hours? Um, It was a combination of flight hours. And I also flew my airplane over to the biggest air show. So it is called Oshkosh or EAA Air Venture in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Do other pilot and flying and aviation content creators reach out for like some kind of collaborations? Because you always see this collaboration or that between this influencer or whatever, there's like categories of 
different content creators uh, all across the internet. And there's so many of you now that do you guys have like secret fly-ins in the middle of the country <laughs> somewhere? Because if not, I think you should. You know what I mean? Well, without giving you too much information, I will have you know that, yes, I have a couple of collabs that I was working on last week. And um, those videos aren't live just yet. So I don't want to give any spoilers. <laughs> but um, it's been a really incredible experience. And it's just awesome to be able to communicate with other pilots and pilots in the social media atmosphere. You know, we can all discuss the hate comments. We can discuss how dedicated our fans are. We can discuss our love for flying. And it all just becomes this incredible conversation between like-minded individuals. And I actually have another, I guess you could call it like an influencer fly-in idea that I am currently trying to work around. Ah. But uh, we will see how that goes. Everybody, unfortunately, is pretty far away from one another but it's definitely something that I would aspire to be able to do. And air shows are another great way to do that. So sun and fun next year will be a blast. Oshkosh once again. I'm really looking forward to all of it. You mentioned sun and fun. And literally the next question that I had for you was about sun and fun because I went this year for the first time ever. Nice. Um, in that I live, I live uh, kind of in the Tampa area, so it's kind of a quick skip out to Lakeland for me. We put our daughters in the car because they're obsessed with airplanes and went out there. And it's, I candidly, I think it's the first air show that I've been to as an adult. Oh, wow. We had an absolute blast. So you've, were you there this year or were you, you're just planning on going next year? Oh, I was there this year. Absolutely. Last year, I actually brought Lil Red and had her on display for people to take pictures and stuff. But Unfortunately, my schedule's gotten a little bit busier, so I was only able to go for two days, but got to meet a bunch of people, and just looking at all the different aircraft is so worth it in my mind. Oh, it's super cool, and if you definitely, if you go next year, I guess that'd be 2024, mm -hmm. uh, we will definitely look for you out there. What do you, beyond all the air shows and the, the small, cool, I don't want to call them collector planes, but, you know, the, the more unique planes that are still up in the skies, uh... Well, obviously, like you said, most people, when they say, oh, you're going to be a pilot, who are you going to fly for? What do you make of commercial travel today as a, as a whole? I've seen you've posted a handful of videos of you traveling like in the lay flat, little cool <laughs> first class cabins and whatnot from L.A. to New York and uh, whatever. What do you make of uh, the whole process as far as coming back from COVID and all of the other things? Do you still, when you get on one of those planes, do you still aspire to be on the other side of the cockpit door or are you content being a passenger sometimes? Um, I would say the biggest thing is, is when it comes to being a commercial airline pilot, I have nothing but respect for them. It obviously is a little bit more, it's different for me to think about flying a bigger airplane like that just because I do fly my little Piper Cherokee 180. And not necessarily because, oh, I'm intimidated or it's something new or it's more studying. It's just not something I see myself doing anymore. I see myself flying for a private charter company and still being able to fly my airplane. With a commercial airline career, for the first 20 to 25 years, your schedule really isn't your own. You're going to be gone a lot. And even though some people love that part, and that is their favorite part about being a commercial airline pilot, nowadays when I do fly commercial, which isn't very often, I just try to relax and enjoy it because ultimately I know what those pilots are going through in the front of that cockpit. And every once in a while, it's nice to just be able to sit back and just let somebody else do it. 
of course, as soon as I land, I'm bummed that I didn't fly there, but you <laughs> that's know, usually how it goes. It's funny you mentioned a friend of mine and I, uh, we've, we are the guys that all, we've got the boats. Everybody goes with us on our boats and mm-hmm. we're very eager to turn the wheel over to either one another or friends that you trust with your boat when you've got everybody out. And people are always like, why are you so willing to let him, you know, somebody, somebody's wife will ask me why you're really going to let him drive the boat. And I always say, sometimes you just want to sit and enjoy it. I'm when yeah. you, when you're at the wheel the whole time, not that you don't enjoy that. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes it's nice just to take a ride and have somebody else drive you, you know? Oh, absolutely. And that's part of the reason why every once in a while, you know, something will come up. Like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I got invited to go to a mini Barbie movie premiere slash screening with YouTube. And the next day I needed to be in New York City, which is why I ended up ultimately having to fly commercial. My game plan was to fly my airplane there, but to get from Houston, Texas to Los Angeles, California, it'd take me at least about 11 to 12 hours. I just wasn't able to do that kind of turnaround time. And I got on the airplane, and of course, I got to enjoy it. I was first class, which was nice because I treated myself on this trip. <laughs> and um, when I landed, I was disappointed that I hadn't done the flight because I was thinking, you know, Lil Red and I could have stopped. We would have gotten lunch. We would have enjoyed the views and all that. But it was nice to just sit there and let somebody else do it and be pampered a little bit. How is it uh, in in traveling, getting back to traveling after COVID, how is it that you read in the news or you hear uh, in places there's a pilot shortage all of a sudden? It seems like forever, anybody that's ever wanted airline jobs, there'd be like dozens of thousands of applicants for every airline job. And they were like some of the hardest jobs to get. Now, post COVID, everybody wants to travel again, I guess. And there's nobody to fly, fly the planes anymore or what? So there's actually quite a few things. Actually... One thing that was really beneficial for me when I was going through flight school is it was the same deal. We were in a pilot shortage, which is why we did have airline companies like the Envoy Cadet Program. They wanted to guarantee that they would have a certain amount of applicants within the next five years. Mm. Well, when COVID-19 hit and everybody stopped traveling, they started telling pilots, you know, if you're getting close to your retirement age, you can take what we call an early retirement program. So they were inevitably given a severance package, for lack of a better term, and they were done. Well, this happened to a lot of people. And because we were losing older pilots and we weren't bringing new pilots into the pipeline, now all of a sudden there's a scramble to fill those jobs, which does make sense in theory because it's very similar to now in today's world. More and more people, especially from my generation, are finding they can work from home, make videos on social media, drive for right. Uber or Uber Eats. They don't have to go and work a nine to five job anymore. Yeah, that's and it's really been a game changer. That is pretty true when you think about it. And I guess that's not just pilots. That's a lot of jobs. A lot of those in person, you got to get out and you got to, you know, actually be at your desk, mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, a lot of those jobs, I guess, are suffering in some ways. So obviously, during the pandemic, we didn't travel that much, but. Um, when every night during the pandemic, I would put my five-year-old to bed. And, uh, one of the things that we would do because, uh, you know, I, I got tired of reading the same book over and over was <laughs> we would watch various plane videos on YouTube. And, you know, we, since then, now we go to the airport a lot of the time and we go plane spotting and like, she can identify, she could actually, when she was like just four, she could literally point at planes taking off and landing and be like, there's Delta, there's 
Southwest, there's whatever. So she's pretty good at stuff like that. That's awesome. And she's, she's gotten interested in planes in general. And by default, because my two-year-old likes anything my five-year-old likes, my two-year-old <laughs> is also interested in those things. They both have, like on their backpack, wings from various airlines now that we've gotten back to traveling. So they're obviously into it. What kind of things do you think parents or teachers can do to get kids interested in flying, knowing that at some point... Uh, you know, the younger generation is they, because you're not, you know, you're, you're not close to retirement age either. You're pretty young. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> having a younger generation coming up, what can parents and, and teachers do to get kids interested in flying at an early age? You know, there's a lot of really, really cool apps and stuff. And especially in today's world, right? Kids grow up and they have an iPad or they get a cell phone when they're 12. I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 15. And because of that, Rather than, you know, having them play Candy Crush or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or whatever it is the kids are playing nowadays, download a flying sim. See if it's something that they're interested in. Because when I was going through my private pilot phase, my dad actually set up a full flight simulator in our house. And it wasn't necessarily so I could learn how to fly. It was so I could continue to enjoy it, even on those days where I'd come home from flight school miserable. You know, maybe I just didn't do very well or the weather changed and I couldn't fly, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of liken it back to, we already know that kids growing up love to play games and they love challenges and puzzles. And if we can figure out a way to encourage them to use a flight simulator or some kind of pilot game as a challenge, it's not something that they're forced to do. It's something they're choosing to do. And if you can find a way to get a child to choose to learn nine out of 10 times, they're going to surprise you and they're going to stick with it even as they grow up. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's great advice and a good way to go about it. So part of the podcast is about just getting to know you, the person behind the persona that people see online. So this is kind of a segue to that. Um, have you, for starters, have you ever been recognized out and about in public? Do you have any crazy stories? Like <laughs> surely I would imagine if you're if you swing through some little local airport somewhere because you got to get top off the tanks, surely somebody somewhere is like, wait a second, you're the, the girl I saw on Instagram or whatever. Yes, it happens to me pretty much everywhere I go at this point, which I love. It's awesome to be able to meet fans, take pictures. I can never go anywhere without Fly With K stickers nowadays, which is incredible. But um, one of the coolest stories that actually happened to me shortly before we moved uh, to Cyprus is I was at the grocery store and I was not looking super cute. I was just in a t-shirt. I was just, you know, doing my own thing. And this little boy and his dad walk over to the chip aisle and the little boy just won't stop staring at me. So, you know, I look at him, I give him a little smile, a little wave, and he looks away and looks at his dad and his dad looks at him. So I walk over and about 10 minutes later, he comes full on sprinting down the aisle because he was worried I had left. And finally is like, are you, are you fly with Kay? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and it was just such a special moment because it was one that hopefully he'll remember forever. But it was also special for me because in that moment it was, okay, I mean so much to this little boy. He went out of his way to come and find me and was in almost tears when he thought he had missed his opportunity. And he told me he wants to be a pilot when he grows up and got to chat with the dad. And he's like, anytime I turn on any type of social media, he wants to watch your videos. So thank you for inspiring him 
and not just posting dance videos yeah. or makeup videos, you know? And that's a really special thing. I was going to say, that's one of the things about what it is you're doing that is, um, I was I was emailing back and forth with another guest earlier who's who's also very wholesome and he's out and about doing really good things in the community and that's what he's known for. Uh, that's like, I don't want to say his shtick, but, you know, everybody kind of has their niche as far as what it is they do with their social media channels. And his is all about doing good in the community. And yours is also doing something wholesome and kind of fun and kind of cool as opposed to, like you say, not that I'm taking the credit away from the, you know, the dancers and the, I, I also have, I run the gamut as far as guests. I'm just going <laughs> to, just going to put it out there. There's a lot of, a lot of different variations of people that I'm talking to, but I think it's kind of cool. Um, how much time do you spend on social media in general, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, et cetera, not creating content, but viewing content like keeping up with friends and family and, you know, watching cat videos and whatnot, <laughs> or is all the time that you spend on social just for the business side of your life? So it used to be more for just the business side of my life, just because I was so busy. And then I started t kind of as a way to unwind and give back to my fans and my followers and my viewers. I started dedicating about two hours. So one hour in the morning and one hour at night where I can go through on my For You page, you know, I'm scrolling. This is also a work thing too, because, you know, I'm coming up with more video ideas and topics that I right. want to discuss. But every once in a while, you know, I'll go through the people who have recently followed me and I'll go and comment on one of their videos. And you can see when they comment back that they never in a million years thought that I would see it. And they're so excited. And just taking a little bit of time in my day to give back and be able to do that is really awesome. It means the world to me. And I love that I do have the opportunity to do that. And I've been even trying to up that a little bit too. Now, there is a fine line between going on for an hour and then ending up being on there till 2 a.m., <laughs> <laughs> Which I may Hence may the cat be. videos. Yeah, you know what? It might just be the cat videos. <laughs> also a good segue there, the cat videos. One of my favorite bits in this podcast is I scour the internet and I pull a bunch of biographical info from random websites. And you know the sites I'm talking about where if somebody Googles how tall is K-Hall, <laughs> uh, they'll get like 50 websites all claiming to have the most up-to-date biographical information most of the time so far, it's been ridiculous and kind of funny. So I'm going to read you some of the things that I found out about you online, and you have to tell me if it's true or false, okay? All right, fair enough. Let's do it. All right, so for starters, true or false, it says that you are a Libra born in 1996, which makes you 26 years old. That is true. And a Libra. Yep. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> full disclosure... I found several other sites that claim you are a Capricorn born in January. <laughs> so Justin, just so you know, there's some false information out there. Uh, number two, it says here you live in Texas, but are originally from, and this is where that Seattle thing comes in. It says you are originally from Kirkland, Washington. True or false? Technically, that is true. Technically, that's true. You're kidding me. Two <laughs> out of two. That This never happens. I'm telling you. Last year, it says you adopted a stray kitten you named Stowaway. True or false? True. Three for three and great <laughs> name for a cat, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. He stowed away in our backyard. It was only fitting. Oh, I was thinking Stowaway more like he, you found him in the, you know, in the passenger seat of your plane at some point. But 
that works too. Uh, let's see. Uh, number four, according to one website, your favorite artist, like musician, is Michael Bublé. Um, I do like his music, but I don't go out of my way to find it. So I'm going to go with false on that one. Still three to one. We're going to finish with a majority true because the last question here, the last but not least, is apparently, I don't remember if I've, again, forgive me because I, I have followed over the last couple few years a handful of different aviation content creators. Uh, and I've seen this happen. I just don't remember it happening to you. It says here that you are apparently a bit of a rule breaker. One site says that you've gotten in trouble several times for flying through restricted airspace <laughs> and that you've been banned on TikTok several times for hosting live videos while you are flying your plane. Is that true or false? So the first part, well, to anybody who doesn't know how restricted airspace works would be true. I had clearance to go through it, which is why I made several videos on that topic because I was on an instrument flight plan and talking to air traffic control. And the second part is true. However, I actually was able to hop on a call and talk to TikTok directly. And once they realized what I was doing, I have not been banned since. And uh, that is because they know that obviously safety is my number one priority. And they thought what I was doing was awesome. So they continued to let me do it. I have never, so, uh, all right, so we're four true and one false, and I got to tell you, that's overwhelmingly, I, I'm shocked because none, these websites are normally just completely inaccurate. I should have gone, I knew I should have gone with the Capricorn one instead of the Libra. <laughs> and the funny thing is I found more Capricorns than Libras as far as these bio sites go. Uh, so I thought the Capricorn was going to be true and Libra was going to be false, but I picked the wrong one. Uh, so four to one, four true, one false. That's crazy. Kind of a lightning round here. I ask everybody these next few questions. What is your worst bad habit? Sleeping in. If there is one thing I love most, it is being able to sleep. And there are times where I have something that I'm supposed to get done, but don't have to. Mm. And I will choose to sleep in instead. Hence why it's a bad habit. At first I was thinking sleeping in, I don't, that's like a, that's a reward. I don't look at that as a bad habit. But <laughs> if you're blowing stuff off to sleep in, then yeah, I get it. Um, do you have any guilty pleasures at all, like binging a certain TV show or something you're obsessed with right now that nobody would know you're into? Um, let's see. Right now, my guilty pleasure is to actually binge reality TV shows because I can turn it on in the background, get in a few laughs, and I don't have to pay attention to the storyline. Mm, fair point. What's your favorite? Right now, Love Island. Oh, really? Wow. All right. <laughs> Uh, what what kind of music do you listen to? We've established that you are okay with Michael Bublé, but you don't go out of your way to find. <laughs> what is what is what do you go out of your way to find? You know, I'm really not picky when it comes to music. I have a wide um, array on my YouTube music, and most of it is actually older time music I get from my parents. So ABBA, The Beatles, Judas Priest, Queensrÿche. Um, and then, of course, you know, today's currents like Taylor Swift, all that good stuff, too. Wow. The first podcast in the history of podcasts where somebody went from Queensryche to Taylor Swift. I guarantee it. Um, I wanted to be memorable. I think I achieved there you that. Go. <laughs> What's a hobby you have that might surprise people who know you or fans of yours? I am a scuba diver. Oh, cool. Outside of the aviation community, do you have any celebrities who follow you anywhere online? Quite a few. Um, one of them happens to be Howie Mandel. Oh, wow. That's a good one. <laughs> Thanks. 
Uh, who and what celebrities do you follow? Whose content do you love? Oh my gosh, there are so many. Um, Carson Daly always cracks me up. He's like one of my go-tos. What is next for you? What's in your near future and your longer term goals where we might see more of you or you just keeping on keeping on? I'm going to continue to fly. I've actually got a trip to the Bahamas planned. I will be flying my airplane over the water for that, which I'm really looking forward to. It's going to be awesome. And I am closing in on my required hours of 1500 in order to qualify for my airline transport pilot. So there may or may not be a charter or a regional airline in my future. We'll just have to wait and see. And you'd said earlier that you might con- try to continue in some way creating content even when that happens. True? Yes, that is correct. I've, I swear I've seen a handful of different content creators that are charter pilots that are like, hey, I got to fly to New York and pick up my guy that I regularly fly or whatever. And then they document obviously the flight without the passenger uh, for privacy sake, I suppose you probably don't want to, you know, live stream or record video when you've got some VIP in the back, right? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> well, listen, to, to finish up, everybody's got some uh, like go-to wisdom they whip out from time to time, whether professionally or personally, or they applied for any situation. Like if you're giving somebody um, your best advice, whatever it is, uh, what is that thing that you constantly go to that is your kind of like your credo, your mantra, your the most sage advice you've ever been given, maybe that you feel would be good to share with others on any topic whatsoever? What is your thing? I think my thing is regardless if you have somebody who is rooting for your success or rooting for your demise, at the end of the day, they are a fan. They are watching everything that you do and use that to become the success that they are either hoping you'll be or afraid that you'll become. That is pretty profound and I think a good way to stop. Where can people find you uh, online? I should, and, and please talk about the book too real quick. Yeah, so I wrote a book. It's all about my story. Obviously, we talked a little bit about it, but if you really want to get to know me and you want to know how I went from being a broke server, unable to pay my bills, to having over you know 2.5 million across social media and flying my own airplane every day, then Becoming Fly with Kay is available on Amazon in several different forms. And if you just want to watch my videos and see what I'm all about, you can find me on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Thread, you name it. It's all the same. Fly with Kay. Kay, you're rad. Thank you so much for spending the time. It's been awesome to uh, chat with you and get to know more about what it is you do every day. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Chris. This was awesome. And I look forward to hearing it firsthand. My thanks to Kay for the chat. She's pretty cool. You can find her in all the usual spots, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, etc. at Fly with K. That's K-A-Y. Also online at flywithk.com. And thanks to you for checking in this episode. We'll catch you next time on Worldwide Celeb. Be sure to like or follow at WW Celeb Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you like the show, please leave a positive review and subscribe to stay up to date on new episodes when they're released. Wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, Worldwide Celeb is a Wavecast Studio production hosted and produced by Chris Kelly with production and promo support from Adriana Botterill and Justin Simkin. For booking information and more details about the podcast, visit WorldwideCelebPodcast.com. Thank you.